On today's story session, a tale about a paranoid fox and his bigoted wife. This is Mrs. Fox. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Welcome to the Shadow Bear Story Sessions, the podcast about how brutally dark and totally insane folk tales and fairy tales used to be. And in my opinion, that just made them way better and more entertaining. So I've got the most true-to-the-original version of Grimm's fairy tales that I could find, and we're going through it front to back, story by story. We'll figure out the unintended lessons that each story teaches, and at the end of each episode, I'll adapt the tale into a movie or a TV show. Let's get right to it with today's tale titled... Mrs. Fox. We begin. Once upon a time, there was an old fox with nine tails. Since he wanted to know how faithful his wife was... Oh god, this is where we're going with this? Right off the bat? I mean, when you think about a fairy tale about a fox, you think about a little fox and his animal friends having whimsical adventures in the forest. Running around and pulling tricks on... On foolish, clumsy hunters, you don't think the main character Fox is just going to immediately be like, I think my wife's cheating on me. But here we go, I guess. Since he wanted to know how faithful his wife was, he stretched himself out beneath the bench and pretended to be as dead as a dormouse. Then his wife, Mrs. Fox, went upstairs into her room and locked the door. Her maid, the cat, was sitting on the hearth and cooking. When it became known... Now that the old fox had died, there was a knocking at the door. "'What are you doing, my fine maiden cat? Are you awake? Where are you at?' It's a a fun way to knock on a door. The cat went to the door and opened it. A young fox stood outside. "'I'm not sleeping. I'm awake. I'm cooking warm beer and butter cake. Would the gentleman like to be my guest?' "'No, thank you, but what is Mrs. Fox doing?' Mrs. Fox sits up in her room until it's late and yammers all about her fate. She weeps until her eyes are silky red, all because Mr. Fox is dead. We'll tell her a young fox is here who'd like to court her. Did Mr. Fox plan this with this young fox guy? Or is this just happening? Because based on the earlier sentence that this young fox showed up, quote, when it became known now that the old fox had died... I don't think this was part of Mr. Fox's plan. So it was pretty bold of this guy to just show up like the same day or very soon after. And has Mr. Fox just been laying under the bench in the house this whole time, pretending to be dead? Wouldn't they do something with the body if they think he's dead? Is the cat maid in on this plan too? Or does she think he's dead? There's so many questions here. So many questions. We continue. So the cat went up to the stairs. Trippity trap. She opened the door. Clippity clap. Mrs. Fox, are you there? Yes, my little cat. I'm here. There's a young fox outside who wants to court you. And Mrs. Fox said to her, My child, what's he look like to you? Does he also have nine so bushy tails like blessed Mr. Fox? Oh no, he only has one tail. Then I don't want him. Yeah, this does beg the question, if he had nine tails like Mr. Fox, would 
Would Mrs. Fox just be down to clown then, or what? She just doesn't like none of these one-tailed guys. So the cat went down the stairs and sent the suitor away. Soon after, there was another knocking at the door, and it was another fox that had two tails. And the same thing happened to him that happened to the first fox. Afterward, others came with more tails than the previous fox, until a suitor came with nine tails. Now Mrs. Fox said to the cat, Open the door and gate quite wide, and drag old Mr. Fox outside. He was there the entire time, just laying under the bench, pretending... Oh my god. But when they were just about to hold the wedding... Skipping a few steps in the dating process, old Mr. Fox reappeared. Within seconds, he threw the entire crowd out of the house and chased Mrs. Fox away. The end. Okay, I've got some problems with this story. First of all, I have no idea what the lesson here is. I mean, my biggest issue is that this is not a test of Mrs. Fox's fidelity, how loyal she was. As far as she's concerned, Mr. Fox is fucking dead. He's gone. She has no loyalty to maintain. She has every right to get with someone else, whoever she wants. This is a pointless exercise. It's pretty clear that she was not considering getting with any of these other foxes until Mr. Fox faked his death. I mean, it was pretty laborious process just getting a fox with finding a fox with nine tails that she would even accept i doubt she was she was fucking around on the guy it was really difficult even when she was available to find someone who met her very specific needs and how long was he lying under that bench pretending to be dead because we know at least nine foxes showed up presumably with a gap between them that'll take some time days at least how did he manage that just the cat walking around all the time. Regardless, Mr. Fox is a psychopath, and Mrs. Fox is lucky to be rid of him. He's the bad guy here. I also don't really understand the point of the nine tails thing. I mean, I do know that the nine-tailed fox is a spirit in Eastern mythology, but that doesn't seem to be relevant here. It just seems to be an arbitrary feature, just a distinguishing feature of this particular fox. I mean, the nine tails... Seems purely like just some measure of, of class or sophistication or status of some kind. And so is the implication that Mrs. Fox just has super high standards? Because even if so, it doesn't really seem relevant to what ultimately happens. She just wants a guy with nine tails. Okay, why? It's unclear. That doesn't seem relevant to the fact that Mr. Fox is pretending to be dead, and that's the that's you know the premise of the story. He's trying to figure out if she's if she's loyal to him, this, there's, this is messy. There's so much going on here. I mean, the only lesson that I can take from this is don't create a problem for yourself. Because that's what Mr. Fox did here. His wife clearly loved him and was terribly distraught at the news of his death, locking herself in her room and crying all the time. Like, she loved him a lot. I mean, just seeing her react that way should have been enough to satisfy this guy. But no, he was like... I'm going to wait and lay here pretending to be dead as long as it fucking takes for her to take another lover, and then I'm going to freak the hell out on all of them. So this is basically just a case of someone looking for a problem until they manifest that problem themselves. I, I doubt that it's the intended lesson. In fact, I have no idea what the intended lesson is supposed to be, but I think that's the actual lesson that I'm, that I'm going to take here. Don't look so hard for a problem that you ultimately create that problem yourself. 
because that is totally something that people do in relationships and, and all, all sorts of aspects of life. So people are so obsessively worried about a particular thing that they end up causing that exact thing to happen. Now, okay, there's another version of this story, or a part two. It looks like an alternate version. So let's see what happens here. Mrs. Fox, part two. Old Mr. Fox died. Okay, well, I guess there's no pretending in this version. And a suitor, a wolf, came to the door and knocked. Well, this already completely changes the directions that this story can go. And a fucking wolf showed up to try to marry Mrs. Fox. We're already getting real weird with this one. We are one sentence in, and this is a completely different story. Good day, Miss Cat von Karowitz. All right. How come you're sitting there alone? What are you making? It smells so good. Cat, I'm making porridge out of milk and bread. Does the gentleman desire to be fed? Wolf, there's no like the wolf said or the cat said in the way they wrote this story. It's just cat colon the thing the cat said, wolf colon the thing the wolf said. So this might sound a bit clunky, but that's how it's written. So the cat says, does the gentleman desire to be fed? Wolf, no thanks. Is Mrs. Fox at home? Cat, she sits up in her room until it's late and yammers all about her cruel hard fate. She weeps about her misery until her eyes are silky red, all because Mr. Fox is dead. Wolf, if she wants to have another husband now, tell her I'm here and have her come down. So the cat ran up the stairs to find her way through hallway after hallway, until she came to a very large room packed full of things, where she knocked on the door with her five golden rings. What the hell is going on here? I feel like they're adding a bunch of weird, distracting details just to make shit rhyme. And she's going through hallway after hallway, so they're in some type of madhouse mansion. And this cat maid also has five golden rings. She's got a gold ring on every single finger. That seems very impractical for doing housework. And those rings are going to be getting in the way, falling off all the time. We continue. Mrs. Fox, are you inside? If you want a husband right now, then you should come down. Please come down. This dialogue is insane. Mrs. Fox, is the gentleman wearing red pants? And does he have a pointed mouth? Cat, no. Mrs. Fox, then he's of no use to me. Okay, well, wolves do have pointed mouths. And she didn't ask if he had red fur. She asked if he was wearing red pants. So the wolf would have qualified if he'd just been wearing red pants instead of whatever pants he wore instead. I mean, she didn't say, is he a fox? She had these weird specific requirements that would actually apply to a variety of animals so long as they happen to be wearing red pants. I mean, their wardrobe choice is like half of the requirements here. I mean, I guess some people have a type. You know, Mrs. Fox's type is that she just loves a man with red pants. And in fact, not only does she love a man in red pants, but those red pants are a non-negotiable deal-breaker. Let's see where this goes. Now, the wolf was rejected, and afterward a dog came. And he was treated the same way. He also has a pointed mouth. Then came a moose, a rabbit, a bear, a lion, and all the animals of the forest. Man, this fox is in high 
demand. But they were all lacking something that the old fox had possessed, and the cat had to send them all away. Okay, well, what they were lacking was just either a pointed mouth or a pair of red pants, which anyone can get red pants. It's a pretty low, arbitrary bar, if we're being honest. And it's also never made clear in either version of the story why every animal in the entire forest is so super hot for this fox. I mean, maybe this is the origin of calling an attractive or desirable woman or person foxy. Holy shit, I really hope this is the origin of that description. That would make me so happy. All right, let's continue here. Finally, a young fox came. Mrs. Fox, is the gentleman wearing red pants and does he have a pointed mouth? Cat, yes, Mrs. Fox. Well then, let him come up, but first clean the room and throw Mr. Fox out the window. Wait, his dead body is still in the house? In the in the room where she's crying? That is... That is kind of a fucked up way to treat your beloved dead husband, Mrs. Fox. Throwing him out the window, his dead body, is pretty disrespectful. Mrs. Fox continued, He brought many a fat mouse into the house, but ate them alone, the nasty old louse. He never gave me one to eat in the house. Okay, firstly, this is a pretty lazy rhyme right here. Clunkily rhyming house with house? No thanks. And I thought she was all distraught and crying and lamenting the death of Mr. Fox. But now she's like, fuck that guy. He wouldn't share his mice with me. So did she like him or not? And maybe now that there's another suitable guy here, she's convincing herself, hey, Mr. Fox wasn't that great anyway. We continue. They're trying to throw this guy out the window. Now the wedding was held, and they danced, and if they haven't stopped dancing, then they are still dancing. The end. That's the end? Come on, guy. That might be the most poorly written final sentence to a story I have ever read. And if they haven't stopped dancing, then they are still dancing. Yeah, I guess. Technically speaking, you could say you could say that about literally anything. I left the party, and people were still dancing. And if they haven't stopped dancing, then they are still dancing. Well, okay, well, when was the party? It was about a week ago, you know, Friday. Okay, well, then they probably did stop dancing later in the evening. You kind of have to assume. I, I, yeah, I guess. Why do you say it like that? Like they, they obviously aren't still dancing. It's been a week. They'd be dead if they were still dancing. All right, I'm getting carried away here. My point is, this is a fucking insane way to end this story right here. This also isn't a resolution. Is Mrs. Fox happy? So she was just waiting for another fox. Is that is that it, I guess? Why didn't she just make it clear to the cat maid that she just wanted a fox? Could have saved a lot of trouble here. Instead of the whole pointed mouth red pants bullshit. I mean, maybe that was the animal equivalent of, like, her trying to not come off as racist. Like, oh, yeah, I'm totally open to all types of guys. And then the guy shows up, and she's like, ooh, yeah, I like guys whose nose has a particular, you know, shape, if you know what I mean. And the cat maid narrows her eyes skeptically, and she's like, okay. And Mrs. Fox continues, 
And I like them to have a particular color. Their pants. I like their pants to have a particular color. You know? Do you know what I mean, Catmaid? Catmaid is like, okay, Mrs. Fox, you don't have to pretend. We all know what you're saying. It's pretty messed up. It's pretty pretty messed up, Mrs. Fox. Not cool. Not cool. Man, this second version is crazy. Seriously, this is a good example of the importance of dialogue, though. Because the way this story is written is making everyone seem like an insane person. Forcing the rhymes, when the writer is clearly very bad at rhyming, was not a good choice. I mean, when the original author read this to someone for the first time, that person should have been like, you know, I don't think you need the rhymes. It kind of makes it more confusing and gives it a weird pace and adds a whole bunch of confusing details that don't really seem relevant to the story in any way. It's just kind of distracting. I mean, you know, you just let the, let the story stand on its own. To be honest, I don't really know if the story stands on its own, but the rhyming was not doing it any favors. Let's just say that. The rhyming was a bad choice. And really, why did they throw Mr. Fox's corpse out the window? That was just needlessly cruel. And the new Fox suitor showed up, and Mrs. Fox was like, you know what? Actually, Mr. Fox was a selfish bitch. Throw his body out the window. That is super messed up. And the second version randomly, for some reason, gives the cat maid a name, Miss Cat Von Karowitz. And she is the only named character in the entire story. It's probably the author intended to name all the characters and then realized there were a million suitors and just bailed on the names. But he'd already come up with the dynamite fantastic name of Cat Von Karowitz. He's like, I gotta keep that. So he just left it in. All right, this is a weird one right here. When it comes to the intended lessons, I mean, the two stories are actually very different. The fact that the fox actually dies in the second one just changes the whole thing. And the second story, that second story is a damn mess. Because she refuses all the other types of animals and essentially just waits for a fox. So there's definitely a way to interpret this that essentially boils down to stick with your own kind as like kind of what it's saying, which is pretty messed up. Because Mrs. Fox literally never even considers the personality of the suitors. She just waits for a fox to show up. And is like, okay, yeah, you're like me. Let's do it. And her previous fox husband was apparently a selfish bastard. So why, why would she want another fox? She's basically just signing up for more of the same. Mix it up, lady. Don't be so close-minded. At least meet and talk with the suitors. Literally the only thing she cares about is that it's a fox. She wasn't happy with the first Mr. Fox, and based on the fact that she isn't basing this new marriage on personality or anything other than the fact that he's a fox, the odds are that she won't be as happy with the, this new fox as she could have been with one of the other suitors. So I don't know, maybe the lesson here is that racist people deserve the unhappiness that their racism brings them. Sure, let's go with that. And with the first story, I'm just sticking with the actual lesson that I figured before, which is that if you obsessively worry about a particular problem, you run the risk of just manifesting that problem yourself. Don't create a problem for yourself that isn't there. Just take problems as they come. All right, let's adapt this thing. So we've got, it can be modern day. Modern day, I don't think you can get a series out of this. Let's just do a movie. So we have an eccentric billionaire played by Eddie Murphy, and he wants to see what his wife and his family and his friends and his business partners really think of him and how loyal they are because he he's gotten very wealthy and he just feels like everyone's out for his, his money. 
and he wants to see how loyal they are to him. And so he has a perfectly lifelike fake cadaver made of his own body, and he fills every room of his mansion with hidden cameras and microphones, and he makes a small hidden wing of his mansion where he can hide and, and live and observe everything that's going on in the house. And the only person who is in on the plan is his maid, who's played by A.D. Bryant from SNL. So he fakes his own death, and his will says to put his fake cadaver in a glass case on a big mantle above the entry hall of his house, so that all of his friends and business partners everyone can come and pay their respects. And then he essentially just hides out in the secret hidden wing and just watches the chaos ensue. And now I'm just picturing like a giant ensemble cast of comedians here. We've got different people from his life and his business just come in to pay their respects, but also to try and carve out some extra money, get some get some extra stuff from him or a bigger stake in the business. So really just put a bunch of different combinations of comedians in a room and let them run wild. So we'll have his wife be played by Maya Rudolph. She'd be great. And, and his will leaves everything to her. So she's the focal point here. And Eddie Murphy trusts her, but he doesn't know what she'll do with his legacy and with his money without him there. And Randall Park plays the lawyer who handles the will and who everyone else is, is also trying to manipulate. He'd be great at just dryly responding to all these crazy people trying to get money out of him. So we barely need a plot here. We just need a conveyor belt of comedians. And we'll have his personal secretary come in and try to get a payout for all her hard work over the years. And she'll be played by Amy Schumer. She'll just be like super unstable, hysterical secretary trying to trying to get paid off basically for knowing all of his secrets from, from years of being his assistant. We'll have his business partners and associates who are trying to carve out a bigger share of, of the business now that he's dead. Those could be played by people like Larry David, Ali Wong, Jordan Peele, Conan O'Brien. They'd all be good. We'll have business competitors who come to pay their respects, but also really just trying to figure out a way to, to tank his business and take his business down at a moment of weakness. And those could be played by like Ricky Gervais would be really good. Ken Jong, Danny DeVito. We'll have a pair of slick company lawyers like trying to trick his wife and, and the lawyer handling the will into giving them concessions and giving them more power or control or, or shares of the business. Those the slick lawyers, we can have them played by like Nick Kroll, John Mulaney, Jason Manzukis. And we'll have some of his personal buddies, just sort of lackeys, friends who kind of mooched off him while he was alive. And now that he's dead, they're, they're just worried that they won't be able to mooch anymore. And so you got people like, like Norm MacDonald would have been perfect for that. Maybe like Bill Burr, they'd be good. And his daughter will be played by Nicole Byer. I just really like the idea of Nicole Byer playing a super spoiled rich girl. I mean, she'd kill that. This is really just like an ensemble comedian showcase here. Just get, just get comedians coming through, give them the space to play, bounce off each other. And all the while, the wife and the maid and the lawyer with the will are all just, for the most part, just trying to fend all these people off. But some of them do show their true colors to be to be very kind and loyal and well-meaning, but most of them just want just want some for themselves. And after a whole lot of chaos has ensued, the chairman of the board of his business, could have played by Wanda Sykes, will will come in and she'll basically remind Maya Rudolph of why Eddie Murphy started his business to begin with. She basically grew up with him. And they came up together and, and built the business sort of together. And she reminds Maya Rudolph of the heart and soul at the core of, of what he ultimately built into this big communications business empire. But at first, it was just all about bringing people and bringing communities together. And then Maya Rudolph talks about how they met 
and in the early days before they had any money at all. And that's when Eddie Murphy, who's watching all of this from his control room in the secret hidden wing, he realizes that he himself has lost sight of, of that heart and soul. He just got swept up in the game of, of building and keeping wealth, so much so that he created this whole convoluted fake death scheme just to find out who was after his money. So Maya Rudolph decides that what she's going to do is keep her stake in the business, but use the profits and their savings to create a, a charity organization focused on community building and fighting poverty. And that's when Eddie Murphy decides to reveal himself to Maya Rudolph that he's still alive. And he, ap- he apologizes profusely and basically says, I always trusted you, but, but the money went to my head. I didn't know who else I could trust. And the money just made me lose sight of who I was and, and what I really wanted. And what's important to me and who is important to me is you're important to me. But you have opened my eyes again. Thank you, Maya Rudolph. And he devotes himself to the charity alongside Maya, and together they refocus themselves on not on building the business and taking down his competitors, but instead on building communities and bringing people up and helping people succeed. The end. So there we go. There's the adaptation. It's basically just a whole bunch of comedians bouncing off each other and improvising. And then at the end, there's a lesson. And the lesson relates to the original story, too, because he he's obsessed with, with worrying about everyone being after his money. But this obsession just leads to him creating a situation in which everyone converges in an attempt to take his money. And then his wife helps him get his sense of perspective back. So there you go. It's kind of a combination of, of death at a funeral and like knives out. Love it, into it, doing it. And that will do it for this week's story session. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Come on back next week for a story titled The Elves. Oh dear, back in olden times, elves were not the cute little helpful buddies who helped Santa make toys. Elves were way more mysterious and unpredictable. They sometimes did good things, but also did some super dark shit. Back in the day, in old-timey folktales, you could get a blessing, or you could get a curse from the elves. So come on back next week to find out what they've got in store. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. <laughs>